0: Church, how are you guys doing this morning? <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. I hear you. Second service. You guys got your extra sleep today, so you're well rested, I can tell. Um I don't know about you, but for me, once in a while, I will uh I don't again, I don't know if "reflects" the right word, but uh, I'll be thinking about you know, I'm like, man, I just have not been eating that well over the last like couple months, and I kind of feel guilty about that. I don't know. I think it's just because of the society we live in, the world we live in. And I'll just, you know, I'll be like, hey, I should probably like try to eat better over the next uh, couple weeks. And I don't know if that helps me at all. I just, but it does make me feel better on the inside. And I'm like, hey, I'm being a, I'm being a good person. Um, and I'm not saying I go on like a diet or anything, or some program, or count carbs or anything like that. I'm just like generally. I should probably try to eat like more vegetables. And you guys ever do that? Like, okay, yeah, like I'm not alone in this. And uh, and so a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about that, and I was like, man, I need to. Uh, you know, I've, I've been out of town, and so I've been eating a lot of fast food, and even at home, I've been just so busy and just on the go that I'm not like, you know, I'm just eating whatever I can do, and, uh, and I'm like, I need to probably eat better for the next couple weeks. That'll hold me over for the next six months or so, you know what I mean? Like, eat some vegetables or something like that. I don't know. A little vitamin's probably not doing it for me. And, uh, and then Halloween hit, you know? And my kids, man, they're bringing like mountains of just candy. Like, we got on our countertop right now. We just got can- like, just so much candy. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and so I'm like looking at it, and I'm not even like a candy guy. Like I don't eat candy that much. You know, I never would buy candy or anything like that. But it's just like I got all this candy on my countertop. And, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm Dad, it's one of the perks of being a parent. You can kind of sift through your kid's stuff. And they can't tell you what to do. You can take whatever you want, you know. And so I'm like looking through. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, hey, you know. It's not going to hurt just looking, you know, and it kind of brings out like the inner kid in you. You know what I'm talking about? Like you remember when you were a kid where you're like, you know, oh, check this out. You know, you got your favorite kinds and all that type of stuff. That's what me and my sisters used to do. We like, you know, we like trade each other stuff. Anyway, and so I'm like looking through my kid's candy and, uh, and I'm just, and I'm, you know, I'm, then you start thinking to yourself, you're like, ah, I haven't had a crunch bar for a long time. I don't even remember the last time I had a bar. I I used to love those when I was a kid. You know, I'm like, one little piece of candy is not going to do anything. Like, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to hurt. It's just not that big of a deal. And uh, that's where it starts. And I've been eating candy all week, okay? (laughs) I've probably eaten worse this week than I've eaten in, like, the last year. It's just candy all over the place. Um, And and some of them I just can't, like, resist. Like, you have one little yellow bag of peanut M&M's. And for me, and by the way, there's only, like, four in there you know what I'm talking about which is annoying in and of itself and so you're like that's not even like a real bag you know and so you're like oh there's another one you know and so I like knock all those out and then I had to go on to the peanut M&Ms or the peanut butter M&Ms those are the red ones now the red bags so I like I wiped all those out snicker bars are wiped out crunch bars are wiped out I even got into like some of the lame candy like gummy bears I haven't had gummy bears for a long time okay that's not cool candy you know what I mean and so I'm like, even going through that, I wiped all those out because I've had gummy bears for a long time. And I'm like, hey, this is actually pretty, pretty good. I, I, it reminds me of like being a kid. And the problem is, what I'm doing when I'm doing that, or really where it all began, is I chose to flirt with the idea, right? Like I'm looking at it, I'm thinking about it, then you start rational, it, it, rationalizing it, saying, hey, this isn't going to do anything, it's not a big deal, it's not going to hurt, and... Um, and that's an example of something that really doesn't even matter, but this is what, um, that's the exact same way that sin and temptation works in our lives. It does the same thing, okay? It's, it's tempting, and so today what we're going to do is we're going to see how Joseph deals with temptation in his life. Now, the last three weeks we've been going through... Uh, this the life of this kid named Joseph it, way back thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. And uh, we're introduced to Joseph as a 17-year-old kid. He's kind of a punk, right? He's kind of a brat. He's the youngest, or he's, uh, he's got 10 older brothers, and his dad favors him, okay? His dad likes him the best. He's his dad's favorite. And so his 10 older brothers just hate Joseph. They cannot stand Joseph. And to be fair, Joseph kind of flaunts it. He's not afraid to hide it, that dad likes him the best, that he is dad's favorite. And so one day, dad goes to Joseph and says, hey, uh, all your brothers are out there working out in the fields. You know, they're probably a couple miles away or so. And he says, hey, Joseph, I want you to go and check up on him. Okay, by the way, not probably a good thing to do as a parent. Okay, so he's like, hey, you're my favorite. You go up and check on your brothers. You make sure that they're working like I told them to, to work. And so Joseph goes. And when his brothers see Joseph, what do they do? Man, they hate him. And they're like, dude, let's kill him. Like, that's how much they hate this guy. They're like, we, let's, just, let's just kill him. And they start coming up with a plan to kill their younger brother, Joseph. And uh, eventually, some wave of compassion just overflows onto them. And they're like, ah, let's just sell him as a slave. And so that's what they do. They sell their younger brother as a slave uh, to some foreigners who are just kind of um, traveling through. And that's where we left off a couple weeks ago. Uh, Joseph, he is, uh, his, his brothers, if you could picture this, they're waving goodbye, see you Joseph, you know. And they know that they'll never have to deal with Joseph ever again. He's being taken to Egypt. That's Long way off, he's taken to some distant country. And Joseph, think about from his point of view, he does i mean, he's like, I'll never see home again. I'll never see Dad again. I'll never see my family again. i'll I'll never be back here again. And here's this kid that goes from like, The pinnacle of the family. Like he's got everything going for him. His dad likes him the best. His dad treats him better than any of his other brothers. He's kind of dad's right hand guy, to now he finds himself shackled in a caravan with people that he doesn't know. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where he'll end up. He doesn't know what he's going to be purchased for. And he can't even speak the same language of these strangers who own him. And uh, he may be in a cage. Or what he probably is doing—he's probably walking the whole way. Uh, back then, they wouldn't, uh, you know, they wouldn't give him a horse because they wouldn't waste a horse on a slave. Because to them, horses were probably more—they more, were probably worth more. And so Joseph ends up probably walking to Egypt, and uh, this is where we're at in our story. Genesis chapter 39, verse one: It says, "Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, and an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh." Who was the captain of the guard? Now, uh, this is important. Uh, Potiphar is—he's uh, gonna this guy—he's gonna come up a lot in our story, and he's gonna play really a major role for the next few weeks. Uh, Potiphar happens to be the captain of the guard, meaning this dude worked for Pharaoh. Okay. Now, at this point in history, Egypt was the most um, civilized nation on the planet. I mean, they were the most powerful nation on the planet, and so Pharaoh is the most important man on the planet. He's the most powerful man on the planet. And so here we got uh, this guy Potiphar. He works for Pharaoh and uh, he happens to be in charge of Pharaoh's like secret service. Like that's what he does. So Pharaoh's got his huge army. He's got the most elite guys. Those guys protect Pharaoh. He's like a secret service. And Potiphar is like the elite out of the elite. He's in charge of those guys. And so we can assume that Pharaoh and Potiphar are probably pretty good friends. And uh, Potiphar was one of those guys that Pharaoh trusted the most. I mean, his whole job, like his whole life, revolved around keeping Pharaoh safe. And so this guy, Potiphar, who's a high official within the Egyptian empire, he bought Joseph from the Ishmaelites. Right? Joseph gets put on the auction block. Potiphar's like, I need a slave. Okay, I'm picking that one. So he buys Joseph from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him there. So you got this super important guy, This guy named Potiphar, he's the captain of the guard. He's in charge of of protecting Pharaoh. He goes and uh, he actually ends up purchasing uh, Joseph as a slave. In the next verse, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, if you're like me, you're going, whoa, whoa, time out. The Lord's with Joseph? (laughs) Did I read that right? Are you kidding me? Did I hear that right? How uh, can you say, like, how the heck is the Lord is God with Joseph here? Like, how can you even argue that? You know, we want to, like all of us, I think we all want to yell out, like, no, he's not. <laughs> There's no way. What do you mean the Lord's with Joseph? I mean, if God was with Joseph, then he wouldn't be in the situation that he's in. Like, if God was with Joseph, then he wouldn't be a slave. If God was, you know, God... Right, God's the guy who just stood by while his brothers hated him, while Joseph was sold as a slave, while he lost his freedom. God was the guy who just stood by while he was basically kidnapped and taken to a foreign land. And what we're going to see, that through the next few weeks, like throughout this whole story, it's really like the theme of the story. God was with him. God was with Joseph. Even though on the surface, it doesn't seem like God had anything to do with Joseph's life didn't seem like I cared at all about what was going on. See, not only was God with Joseph throughout this entire situation, but check this out. This is super important right here. Joseph, what we're going to see today, is that Joseph chose to live like someone God was with. Does that make sense? All right, Joseph made the choice, because that's what it is. It's a choice. Joseph cho- chose to live like a guy who God was with instead of living like someone who God had abandoned, okay? Those are kind of two separate ways to live your life. He chose to live like somebody who God was with. See, what we got to understand is that uh, a lot of bad stuff has happened to Joseph, right? Like, this is not cool. This is not ideal. He's had, even back home, his family situation was not great at all. And uh, what we got to understand is that you cannot let your present circumstances determine how much you feel like God is present in your life. Does that make sense? Right? That's not what we do, though. What we do is we connect our present circumstances with God in our life. You know, we look at our present circumstances, and a lot of times it's like, what's going on in our life isn't like ideal. It's not the way we want it. It's not the way we like it. And so a lot of times we all think, we've all been there where we're like, God, what's going on here? Right, God, are you there? All right, some bad thing happens in our life. We're like, where are you? hello, do you see this situation? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Some of us, we even ask, do you even care? Are you even there? And so what we're doing is we're making the assumption that because life isn't going the way I want life to go, because life isn't what I want, then God must not be around. Then God must not care. Then he must not be with me. He must be far away from me. But here's the deal. If we're a Christian, man, that's just simply not true. Right? That's not right. That's, that's so far from the truth. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is always with us. Those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, and we made that decision to follow Jesus, which, by the way, isn't everybody in this room, and if you've never done that at, you know, at some point in your life and you can't think back to a time where you gave your life over to Jesus and you made that decision, I would beg you today to do that today. Go home, spend some time with God, five minutes or whatever, and just hash that out with him. Because he died for you and he loves you and he cares for you. The Bible says that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we make that decision, that God literally like moves into our life. Like he becomes part of us. Like he he moves on in, which is an awesome thing, which means that God is always with us, right? Like he's a part of us. Like, think about that real quick, okay? For you personally, how would your life change if you were confident that God was with you? All the time. How would your life change if you were confident that God was always with you? That he was with you every day? I mean, how would that change what you do, right? How how would that change your life at home? How would that change your life at work? How would that change your life at school, on the team, whatever it is? How would that change you if you knew and if you were confident that God was with you all the time? See, Joseph's confident. Joseph knows that somehow God is with him, and Joseph was right, because God was with him. And it says, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Real quick, by the way, what did he, so the Bible tells us, so God's with him, and Joseph's successful. What does he become successful at? Serving. (laughs) Wait, what? I don't want that type of success. You know what I mean? (laughs) He becomes successful at serving. That's not how we view success, especially here in our world. How do we view success? We view success as like, well, I'm working up the ladder. I'm getting good grades. Um, I'm, I'm getting that promotion at, at, at work. And, you know, I'm over more people and I'm, I got more authority. That's how we view success. That's not how God views success necessarily. And that's not what was going on in Joseph's life, right? Joseph became a successful man and he became success, successful particularly in serving the household of his Egyptian Slave owner, master. Okay, that's how he became successful. That's what he became successful at. Next verse, it says, "When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord, um, that and that, sorry, when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did successful, it says Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant." Now think about this. Even Potiphar recognizes. That something's just different about this kid, right? I mean, Potiphar notices. He's like, everything that Joseph does, you know, somehow, he does really, really, really well. And so he puts him in charge of everything. He becomes Potiphar's, like, legit personal attendant. So Potiphar, he also put him in charge of his entire household. And then he placed him, placed all that he owned under Joseph's authority. It says, from the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord... Blessed. Who? Potiphar, right? The Egyptian's household. Right? Think about that. The Lord, so the Lord's with Joseph. And Joseph's got all this success going on. Who gets blessed for it? Potiphar. The slave owner. I mean, you ever think Joseph, I mean, think about this. Joseph's a teenage kid at this point. He's like 17, 18, 19 years old uh, during this time. Uh, do you ever think Joseph's going, "Hey, hey, everything I do seems to go really well for that guy." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, everything, I get all this success, but I don't get, like, I don't get blessed for it. Like, nothing, I, it's not like I'm moving up or anything. It's not like I'm getting, I'm making more money now. But Potiphar sure is. Potiphar seems that like everything's going well. Like, don't you think you ever wonder, like, hey, God, if you're with me, like, it would be nice if once in a while you bless me. Particularly, I could really use, like, freedom right now. That would be really nice if I wasn't a slave or a servant anymore. You know, that's what I would really appreciate. But, uh, but whatever, you know, you want God. You ever think he thought that? Like, here's Joseph. He doesn't get set free. He doesn't get a raise. He doesn't get better benefits. He doesn't get more vacation time, okay? He doesn't get any of that stuff that we want. You know what he gets for doing well? More work. (laughs) Did you notice that? He's doing really good. And here's Potiphar. He's like, hey, man, if you're doing good in that area, I'm going to give you this area. And I'm going to give you this area. And so he gets, he really just gets more work. And so the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household because of Joseph. And the Lord's blessing was on all that he owned. Is in his house and out in the fields everywhere. Everything that Joseph touched went really good. It says, and he left all that he owned under Joseph's authority, and he did not concern himself with anything except that the food that he ate. So apparently, the one thing that Joseph didn't do was cook for Potiphar because um, he must have been a bad cook. I don't know, but uh, he didn't make his food. It sounds like. And so here we got this guy, this kid, right? He's a teenager, and everything that Joseph does, he's successful. You know people like that. I guess you know people that, like, seem like they're successful. I guess none of us are actually always successful, probably not as successful as Joseph is here. But sometimes, for me, I'll be um, on my computer or whatever, and then something's just not working right or it's not connecting to the printer or whatever it might be. And so what I do is I call Nick, and uh, there he is, okay, same place, last service. Have you moved at all? Probably not, okay. Um, Anyway, so I'll call Nick, and I'm like, hey. Uh, Can you come? My computer's not doing this right. And help me out here. And so Nick will come and he just, he just touches my computer. He just like touches the keyboard. I don't know what it is. He lays his hands. He graces his hands on my keyboard. And it's like, it works. It's super annoying. Because I'm like, dude, I'm not an idiot. I promise. It didn't do that. I tried that, you know. And he's like, what? It's working now, you know. And it's like, I hate you. I don't hate him, but... Um, I'm glad he touches my computer. The Lord's with him, okay? That's what's going on, and God's not with me when it comes to that, I guess. But uh, here's Joseph. Like, Joseph, he's the perfect employee, okay? He just just is. Like, here's this guy. He's just a flat-out, old-school, hard worker. Like, that's what he is. He never does the bare minimum. He never, ever cuts the corners. And when Potiphar tells him to do something, you know what he does? Joseph does it better than what Potiphar even asked for. Joseph, check this out. Joseph goes above and beyond every single time. Can you imagine that? No, because none of us do that, right? Every time. He's successful in everything. And think about it. This is just a kid. He's, he's 18, 19 years old. I mean, like, this is a miracle, right? I think we can all agree. Uh, you parents can agree on that. Some of you guys, you can't even get your kids to spend 30 seconds to make their bed every morning. You know what I mean? And uh, and here's Joseph. He's 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 Going above and beyond every single time. See, this kid, I mean, there's just no way to explain it. God's with him. And he is living (laughs) like God is with him. And so Potiphar, he notices. He notices Joseph. He notices all the success he's having. Potiphar's getting rich off this guy. And uh, he's not the only one that uh, notices him. It says, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Uh, This is one of those verses that I uh, had Kate memorize, and she uh, just inserts my name there and tells me every morning when I wake up. It's really nice. Zach was well-built and handsome. Thank you, Kate. All right. Um, But anyway, here's Joseph. I'm talking to everybody in here, okay? So there's all different age groups. So for you high school girls, okay, Joseph's hot, all right? That's what that means. That's the Bible trying to tell you. Joseph, he is just a good-looking guy, and uh, he's also ripped. And so everything about him is attractive to, to a woman, okay? Think about this, everything. All right, here's this guy. He's a hard worker. Okay, I know you women like that, okay? He does what he's told. Yeah, can't go wrong with that, right? Um, he is, uh, he's handsome, and he's ripped, okay? He's, he's the perfect package, all wrapped up in this one nice little 19-year-old kid, okay, that's just, that's just what's going on here, and I'm guessing that as he's working, you know, he, he's mopping the floors or doing whatever, you know, he's got the sun, he's sweating in the sun, it's just the sweat is glistening off of him, you know, and so all the ladies notice him, okay, all the girls, they can't help but notice, and so in the next verse, verse 7, it says, after some time, now we don't know how long this was, maybe a couple years, so Joseph's probably 20, let's say, 19, 20 years old at this point says his master's wife, she notices little old Joe in her house working for her with the sweat glistening off of him. And she looked longingly at Joseph, and she said, sleep with me. Yeah, something like that. You know, she didn't just say, sleep with me. You know, that's, that's not attractive. I'm sure she put a little more effort into that. She's like, hey, man, hey, hey. Kid, boy, I want you to come sleep with me. And, and think about this. I mean, she is, like, this is the real deal here. Um, she, little old Joe shows up all cute and handsome, and he's working over in her house. And Potiphar's wife, she's used to getting what she wants. She's married to a, married to a powerful man, and she starts to notice. And by the way, I don't think this is an ask. <laughs> she's not saying, hey, you know, if you're ever bored, I'm in there. You know, she's not doing that. I mean, this is more of a, hey, Joseph, you're looking pretty good today. Um, You're my slave. I own you, young man, and I require you to sleep with me. Like, that's, that's what's going on here. And probably for the first time in her life, she gets told no. It says he refused. And he explains why. He's like, you know, hey, here's the deal. He says, look. With me, here my master, with me here, my master, he doesn't even concern himself with anything in his house. He's like, because I got it. Okay, I, I take care of everything. And he's put all that he owns under my authority. He says, but no one in this house is greater than I. But, he's, but he has withheld nothing from me except you. He's like, hey, just so you remember, um, <laughs> you are his wife. He's except, you know, nothing's been withheld from me except for you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil? And here he is. He's talking about Potiphar, and he's like, Potiphar did all this for me, and, and he trusts me, and Potiphar cares for me, and I don't want to let Potiphar down. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I, how could I possibly do this uh, to Potiphar? But then he's like, it's like, almost like he interrupts mid-sentence. Where he's like, well, uh, Potiphar, sure, but how could I sin against God? He's like, how could I? Forget Potiphar. How could I do this against God? Now, this is the same God who allowed his mom to die when he was a kid, right? This is the same God who um, allowed him to be kidnapped from his family. It's the same God who allowed him to become a slave. By the way, notice that what he's not doing is he's not rationalizing this or even saying no out of selfishness, which is what we usually do a lot of times. Like, a lot of times when we do something good in our life, um, we're doing good because it's actually for our benefit to do the good thing. You know, to avoid the consequences or whatever. You guys get what I'm saying? Here, Joseph's not like, hey, he might like fire me or he might throw me in jail or, you know, or really Potiphar, if he, if he got caught, he, you know, Potiphar could just like kill him and that would be the end of Joseph. Um, he doesn't say, you know, I'm, I, I want to get my promotion. I really want to get my raise, so I better, you know, stay away from you and not, not sleep with you. He doesn't do any of that. even though all this terrible stuff has happened in his life. It's interesting to me. It just blows me away a little bit. Here's this kid. He doesn't blame God. See, a lot of times when bad things happen in our life, what do we do? It's like the first thing we do. Well, we blame God for it. God must, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's allowing this in my life. This is his fault. See, he tries to serve God as best as he possibly can. I mean, think about it. It's like if anybody has an excuse... To not follow God is this kid. Like if anybody has an excuse to not do the right thing, like it's, it's this guy. It would be Joseph. But Joseph uses logic. By the way, let me just point out that uh, usually logic is thrown out the window when it comes to sexual um, temptation. It just is. All right, we throw that out. And we know this because, I mean, we ask, like, uh, what were they thinking? You know, when someone has an affair, or when someone gets pregnant, or when someone's sleeping with somebody that they shouldn't be sleeping with. You know, it's that type of thing. That's what we ask. We're like, what were they thinking? The problem is they weren't thinking. We don't think when it comes to this stuff, all right? It's not a problem with the head. It's a different area, okay, that we have a, that we have a problem with, all right? That's, that's what's going on here, all right? It's every single one of us who have sinned um, sexually, every single time, you know where it starts? We flirt with it. That's how it starts. And by the way, flirting, and when I say flirting, I don't mean like we flirt with that person and then that, you know, what I'm saying, no, we flirt with the temptation. We flirt with the idea inside of us, but, which by the way, a lot of times, maybe technically is not wrong, but you know what it does? It takes us down most times. And it takes us down, and we think about it, and we rationalize about, hey, you know, this might be okay in this situation because, you know, whatever. And then we cross the line, and we start fantasizing about it, and we start, and that's what the Bible calls lust. And we start thinking about that person or thinking about this in a certain way, and we we flirt with it. That's 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 what temptation does, especially sexual temptation. But that's how temptation works in any area of our life. We start thinking about it. By the way, the Bible has a lot to say about temptation. You know, we just talked about James. We walked through the whole book of James last summer. And um, remember what we talked about how James specifically says, hey, by the way, the Bible, or God doesn't ever tempt us. He says, but each temptation it's like the enemy. Uh, he, he, like, tailor makes each temptation for us. It's like every time we're tempted, it's like tailor made for us. It's tailor made for you. That's how temptation works, and it tries to lure you in. that's what's going on here with joseph joseph chooses not to not to flirt with it which you're going to see in a second or which we see here um by the way i think a lot of us we read this story (laughs) and a lot of us we've heard this i mean we know this story we've talked about the story for or you know we've known the stories ever since maybe we were a little kid and we're like yeah he didn't sleep with her that's not that hard (laughs) all right well you have to understand that um, this would have been extremely tempting for Joseph, I'm sure. I mean, think about it. Like, and I think maybe this is easier for guys to connect with, I think, than women. But I think women, you guys could totally connect with this. But this lady, I mean, this woman's rich. Right? She's high society. She's part of the it crowd. She has access to anything Joseph could ever want. She's the wife to a high official in the most powerful kingdom on earth. She's got the best clothes. She's got the best hair. She's got good skin, man. She's clean. She's, she can make his life, you know, on top of that, she can make his life very hard with the snap of her finger. You know, she could probably end his life with the snap of her finger. And so my guess Is that being that she was married to a really powerful man, that she was probably a very good-looking herself. In fact, she was probably drop-dead gorgeous. And here's Joseph. He's 18 to 20 years old. He's lonely. He's got his hormones raging and all that kind of stuff going on. You know, and, like, think about this. Men, I'm specifically talking to you right now. Men, do you honestly think that you would have the courage to say no like Joseph did? Some of you guys, you couldn't even take your hands off your girlfriend when you were his age. You don't got a chance. And some of you guys can't even stop looking um, at the screen or looking down at your phone at women online. You couldn't even do that without, you know, you couldn't even go throughout this week without doing that. See, this is something, and this is impressive, and this probably isn't just something that happened one time or the first time she saw him. She's probably been dropping hints for some time now, you know. That's what, that's what you do. You drop hints that, that, uh, that you like them. Um, a couple years ago, I was working with high school students, and we were going through this exact same story, and I was asking them, I, I kind of pulled the, the the students, I'm like, hey, what do you guys do to like, I don't know, let a guy or girl, you know, know that you like them, and that type of thing, and I, uh, I got kind of the, the, a lot of the normal answers, but some of the girls' answers, I like, I like couldn't understand, um, and I still don't understand, this is probably some of the reason why they didn't have boyfriends at that time. But uh, but I remember some of them were like, uh, oh, I, I we playfully push them. I'm like, yeah, just what a guy wants to be pushed around in public by some girl that he doesn't know, you know, likes her. Good idea. Um, one was uh, be loud. Okay, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, get an attitude with them. Okay, yeah, like that works. One was like, one girl said, I tell him that I hate him. I'm like, what? You tell them, guy that you want, you know, you're like trying to get him to understand that you like him. You tell, I'm like, this is, guys don't get any of that stuff, okay? I'm just telling you. If you're a high school girl in here, you're like, well, you know, yeah, that's, they don't understand. They're not picking that that up, okay? See, Potiphar's wife, maybe she's not doing those things. I highly doubt she's doing any of those So, You know, I hate you, Joseph. You know, I don't think she's doing that. Um, but... uh but she's probably dropping some hints. And Joseph's just not picking them up, man. All right, He's not picking them up. So she just comes out and she says it. Actually, she commands it. It's like, hey, let's do this. Right here, right now, nobody's around. And Joseph says no. And you would think that would be the end of the story, right? I mean, you'd think like she'd be so embarrassed and she, this would be so awkward and she, maybe she would be offended by Joseph that she would just leave him alone, but that's not what happens at all. It says she spoke to Joseph day after day. Every single day she's begging him to come in and sleep with her over and over and over again and he keeps saying no. He says he refused to go to bed with her now, one day, he went into the house to do his work. And I picture Joseph, you know, I don't know, he's doing his thing. Um, it, it, by the way, the more that she, she, he says no, the more she wants him. And he's just, he's just mopping or whatever he's doing. You know, who knows what it is. And, uh, and he's mopping and she enters the room, right? And she's like on the prowl. She's like a cougar, right? Like that's, she's older than him. Okay, let's just call it what it is. And, uh, and she, he sees her and he's like, oh, not again. You know, he's like, I'll start mopping this way. And here she walks over to him, and she places her hand on his shoulder. And she grabs his shirt, and she grabbed him by his shirt, and she said, sleep with me. You know, whatever that is. And Joseph is just like, you know, what do I do here? And he's, you know, it, it, he, doesn't know he doesn't know what to do. And he's just like, I got to get out of here. And he's dealing with the real deal, Okay. Like this is this is part of the reason why I want to dive in deep deeper than normal is cuz I want you guys to understand he's dealing with real temptation here. He could have her. Nobody else has to know. After all, she is his master. After all, all he would be doing is just obeying her. The temptation is real. She wants him and his body wants her. That's what it is. And she grabs his shirt. It says but leaving his garment in her hand, he ran. He escaped. And he ran outside. He drops the mop, and he makes a run for it, and he gets out of there. And basically what I find so, um, you know, what I'm so, like, proud of him for, or um, what I find so awesome is what, basically what he's doing here is he, he tells his body to shut up. That's what he tells his body. He tells his body to shut up. And by the way, some of you would do well to tell your body to shut up more. <laughs> okay? Like, I'm serious. Like those thoughts that enter your mind, uh, those you know that that taking that extra drink or taking that pill or whatever that might be, you would do well to tell your body just to shut up. And actually, here's here's Joseph. All right, that's exactly what he does, and I think this is a lesson that every single one of us can learn from since we all deal with various forms of temptation. Remember, temptation is tailor-made for us. What does Joseph do when he's faced with temptation? Specifically, here Joseph's dealing with sexual temptation, but really it can be applied to any temptation in our life. What does he do? He runs. He gets out of there. He flees. All right? What do we usually do? Usually we flirt. Usually we flirt with that temptation. It's like the Halloween candy sitting out on the countertop. It's like, yeah, just look it through. It won't be that big of a deal. Ah, just one. Won't be the big of the deal. And then you want more and more and more and more. See, we reason with ourselves. We think it won't be that big of a deal. We think my situation is different. We think, hey, anyway. Some of us, we even come to the conclusion that, yeah, I know this is wrong and I know I shouldn't do this. But God will forgive me anyway. And we think about it. And we flirt with it. Joseph does the opposite. He runs. And as she's standing there holding on to Joseph's clothes, probably partly angry, part embarrassed, she decides, you know, she can't take this anymore. And so she screams and then accuses Joseph as uh, as trying to rape her. And she's got his shirt to prove it. He took off his clothes. Here it is. He's right here. And later when Potiphar gets home, the Bible says he's furious. And so Potiphar had him thrown into prison, where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. There are no guarantees that if you do the right thing, that your life will be easy. You realize that? There are no guarantees that if you do the right thing, life will be easy. By the way, God doesn't owe you. I see some of us, I think we look at this and we're like, that's not fair. Why would God allow this? to happen, like, that's not fair, where's God and all this, and yeah, I think, you know, that's how we naturally think, but here's the deal, man, you don't want fair, right, you don't want fair, all right, fair is that we all spend eternity in hell, because we're all sinners, and we all rebel against God constantly, that's what's fair, And so just when Joseph works his way up the ladder as a slave, just when he seems to do everything right, just when he refuses to sleep with his master's wife, I mean, that seems like a really good thing. By the way, if he would have just slept with her, probably no one would ever have had to know. No one would have known. She probably would have left him alone. But when everything seemed to be going Joseph's way, he wrongfully gets thrown into prison with no way to get out. It's not like he's got some trial date that he gets to wait for and say, you know, and argue his case. He's a, he's a slave to, these, to the Egyptians. He's not worth anything. And so that's what we're going to pick up next week. Um, but here today, before we let out, what I just want to remind us is we get ready to go into the work week, and we all got our lives, you know, going on that we got, you know, that we'll get back to um, starting tomorrow. I would just want to remind us, every single one of us, we all deal with temptation. The Bible tells us temptation is not from God. And every single one of us, each of our temptations, whatever that might be, for whatever that is, I mean, there's multiple different things. Um, Whatever we're struggling with right now when it comes to sin in our life, those temptations, that temptation is tailor-made for you. That's what James tells us. And I think we can take a page out of the book here. I think we can use this example of this teenager who lived thousands of years ago to remind us that when we are tempted with whatever that might be in our life, to do what he did. Flee, don't flirt. Flee, don't flirt. And I think that's what we all need to hear today, including myself. And, um, and we'll get back at it next week. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this story. It's such a good story. I love the story, Lord. Um, there's so many things I want to talk about that there's just not enough time. But Lord, we ask that uh, you would help us, especially when we're tempted, which every single one of us we are with all kinds of different things and sin in our life. God, we ask that you would help us to really flee and don't flirt. Help us to run. Remove ourselves from the situation. Get ourselves out of there instead of flirting with it, instead of thinking about it, instead of fantasizing about it, whatever that might be, rationalizing it, which we all do so much. We all do way too often. God, we thank you for this church, and we thank you for this group of people that you brought together here in Tiffin. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.